Hey guys, I'm going to break the order of this up a little bit. We have an email that doesn't really belong in the general population, you know, mass mailbag here. So we're going to read this a little specially. As many in the DCC community know, my dear friend Michael Fanton took his own life on May 16th, 2018, just two months after he and I attended GaryCon 10. Needless to say, it has been a challenging year for me, as Michael was my best friend and one of the best people I've had the pleasure of knowing. Last weekend at GaryCon 11, I was dealing with many mixed emotions, but through the support of those in this wonderful community of friendship, I was able to still have a very enjoyable time, which included bringing my son Chase to his first GaryCon. To those who shared a toast in Michael's name, put a dedication in your DCC product, or shared a story about how Michael positively affected your life, I am most appreciative. Michael cared deeply about people, as evidenced by one of his favorite quotes that he often told his daughter, be good to people for no reason. That line sums up what Michael was all about and what this great community of gamers is all about. Thanks again for all of the love, support shown over the past year. It means more than you know. Sincerely, Corey DM Kojo Gashman. And we couldn't have said it better. about the Dungeon Call Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. For generations, it has been whispered in the back alleys of Punjar. For untold eons, a secret on the lips of Sezrakhan shared only with the most devoted of his servants. Its power unlocking hidden ways of the gods new pacts with mind-bending patrons, precious artifacts of startling puissance, and perhaps most sanity-stretching of all, the hirsute glory of the mustache. Yes, from the dark, hideous forges of Northern California, the Dark Master has unleashed a tide of chaos that could only be that legendary work, so long a rumor, but always feared to be real. The DCC RPG Annual. I'm Judge Julian, and with me are uh, Judge Jen. Good evening. And Judge Jeffrey. Well, howdy, y'all. And welcome to Spellburn. <laughs> welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give up. A drink of your most expensive. Tavern talk. All right, uh, what did we do in gaming, and what's the talk around the table in the tavern? I will just jump in and say WTF is up with Spellburn. Uh, a few people have asked me some questions, and 
I will just say that the answer is uh, nothing really. We've been extremely slow in terms of getting our episodes out, uh, mostly technical and editing issues, but there is uh, no drama. The band is not breaking up. There is no Yoko. There is no uh, Beatles drum. There's no nothing like that. I hate to disappoint people if anybody was looking for drama. It's just not that exciting. We just didn't get uh, those episodes edited very well, and we didn't record a bunch of new episodes when our other ones weren't in the pipeline. So our bad, but fear not. Uh, Spellburn is healthy. We are all friends. We shared a big group hug. Anyway, enough said. Uh, There's no problem like that. I've been running a new DCC campaign at home. It's uh, been mega fun. I'm incorporating some Lankmar rules. First campaign with Fleeting Luck. I'm going to talk about it a lot in future episodes, but not this one. Um, Burger Wars (laughs) was released. And uh, it's uh, also been really great to play test. Many of you played at cons with me over the last year, year and a half. And uh, I also have something really fun coming out in May, maybe around the time this episode drops or after so uh, or before. We can't really tell anymore, but it's uh, I'm really uh, excited for that. So more to come soon. Jeff, how about you? Well, I have started a home campaign um, out of my home, which is fun. And it's not DCC per se. It's kind of my own little fantasy heartbreaker that's got a lot of DCC elements in it, along with other elements. Uh, It's very rules light. Yes. Very rules light and free form, um, but DCC inspired for sure. Also, I just recently ran a session of Queering the Dungeon at Dungeons and Drag Queens which was a lot of fun, had a bunch of very young people show up to play and it was at a bar. So I'm guessing they were at least 18, but they, I don't know. They they all seemed, (laughs) maybe that's just me getting old. I'm 30. I just turned 39. So suddenly 19 year olds look like they're like 14 now. Um, I don't know how old they were, but they had a lot of fun. Half of them had never played any form of RPG before. And it's a the current iteration of queering the dungeon is very different than the four sessions I ran at GaryCon. I'll be honest, when I ran it at GaryCon, I had signed up to run games and I, I titled it Queering the Dungeon when I signed up to run a game, having no idea what it would be. And I didn't really give it a whole lot of thought leading up to it. So I just kind of um I just kind of figured something out on um kind of in the in the few days leading up to GaryCon. Don't don't ruin the magic. (laughs) (laughs) But it's becoming clearer and clearer what Queering the Dungeon is going to be. And I'm hoping to run at least a session of it at WayneCon. And I will be running one session of it on the books at GenCon. Speaking of Jen, what what have you been up to, Jen? Um, you mean besides still sighing wistfully for the days of GaryCon? Um, real life kind of ate my little face. And all of a sudden, we're looking down the barrel at the next uh, mini Brinkmanomicon game day, which is to be, well, by the time this airs, it'll have come and gone, I'm sure. But I'm running more DCC Lankmar, which is awesome. And... I'm going to be playing in Starcrawl for the first time. So I'm really looking forward to that. And other than that, um, a lot of work, a lot of paper shuffling and a lot of editing, which means I'm shuffling some of my real paper shuffling off to the side and trying to 
play with schedules like that. So not a whole lot of room on the books for gaming. I'm not even sure at this point what we're doing for free RPG day. And usually we've got this stuff nailed down by like April 1st. So I'm just feeling a couple months behind overall. Wow. Free RPG day wasn't even on my radar. I'm definitely behind as well. Yeah. It sneaks up on you, right? Especially I gotta say, year. I'm very jealous that uh, David Hos- David Hoskins is running <laughs> Mothership at Brinkmanomicon. <laughs> oh, I want to be there for that. Yeah, there's only one slot left. I might nab it. Oh. Um, I, I hear he also just got a piece of artwork put into one of the Astonishing Swords and Swordsmen of Hyperborea. Did, I am so excited about that. Did I get that. that title right? A-S-S-H, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Astonishing, astonishing Swords Men and Sorcerers. Thank you. Oh, um, we just called Ass-H. <laughs> Ass-H, oh, that's Dude, great. uncool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. But I'm absolutely thrilled for Dave. Um, hey, Julian, I had a quick question for you. Your Something Fun that's coming soon, is that what you were uh, running at GaryCon by any chance? No. It was not because <laughs> okay, I. Fine. <laughs> well, uh, sorry, but in fact, um, I scheduled that GaryCon event long before I knew that I was writing this thing in May. So no, um, so no, it was not. But uh, it was a lot of fun, and you're going to see it, and everybody will see it in May. The world will see it in May. Oh. Also, I forgot there's one other thing I'd like to throw out into the ether. If you're in the Cleveland area, I will be running a preview of the DCC tournament that I'll that we'll be running at Origins. I'll be running it at Weird Realms over Memorial Day weekend. Ooh. So session one will be Saturday, session two will be Sunday, and session three will be on Monday. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, that's that's gonna be fun. And that's uh writers on the Flogistan, right? Exactly. I think you will enjoy, I think the players will enjoy the heck out of that. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. And uh, finally, it's been a while, but uh, we finally got um, Jeff, Heartbreaker, and Fantasy all in the same sentence, which we've been, you know, which all <laughs> of us have been, all of our listeners have been thinking for a long time. So it's about time. <laughs> okay. Um, I have one other thing for our. Uh, tavern talk segment which is a review and by the way i have a couple things queued up uh, for future reviews um there is a deluge of awesome material coming out from third parties like everybody was waiting for the spring of 2019 it's just a mm-hmm. huge huge flood of cool stuff so uh Hitting this has been in the, yeah <laughs> oh my gosh no kidding but this has been in the in the uh, hopper for like six months or something so he uh Mr. Scott Swift is uh, first on the list, and uh, I'm going to say at the outset that uh, Scott is a friend of mine, and we've been gaming together at cons for several years now. Uh, you know, I just know the guy a little bit from cons here and there, and he's uh, really a good dude. And um, he also has like a little funny homage to Spellburn in the adventure and stuff. So if there's any question about whether he's kissing our ass or whether we're going to like scratch his back or something, you know, whatever. It depends he, on I, which picture you think is the homage to us. <laughs> or whether you think we look good in that picture. I don't know. And the but, answer is yes. If you, if you give an homage to us, we will, we will kiss your ass on air. Cause we love that. We probably will. <laughs> and, and, and so full disclosure, I don't really care what people think about it. So whatever. 
whatever. Um, I'm going to be honest anyway. And if I really thought it sucked, I probably wouldn't do a review because I don't want to just piss on people's stuff anyway. So we would just leave it at that. So at any rate, um, if you know Scott, he's the guy He at Gary Khan and Game Hole and probably some other ones, the one in Milwaukee, what's that, Nexus or something? He he wears the like the crushed velvet purple coat with the white ruffled shirt and the giant platforms. He, he has some other outfits too, but he's very recognizable because he's a snappy dresser, to say the least. At any rate, um, he has done a an adventure called Secrets of the World Harvesters, successfully kickstarted, and uh, it's put out by his imprint, which is uh, Purple Pirate Games. How am um, I not supposed to be a fan of this? Exactly. <laughs> and if you if you've seen Scott because of his outfit, you can think you know Purple Pirate and Scott. So oh, it goes so together. So he's just been advertising for a few years. We didn't know it. Indeed. Awesome. So, um, and I've also been is wor- a- proudly wearing my purple pirate T-shirt at the gaming conventions. So, thank you for that. Oh, there you go. So, uh, this is a first-level adventure. It is a uh, you know a solid. Uh, I think I think you might be able to do it in one session pretty easily. Uh, but there is a tremendous amount of content in the book, so. Um, it has a lot of background on the setting, the world, the adventure set in a world that, uh, you know, has a whole campaign background about the ancient races and, uh, portal based travel and that kind of stuff. So, um, it's not necessarily a short adventure or short on content by any means. There is plenty here, and you could probably easily kick off a whole campaign um, from its contents. I'm not going to spoil it for those who are listening who might play it, but it uh, it definitely has um, some traditional monsters as well as some sci-fi elements, and um, it has opportunities uh, in the end for first-level DCC adventures to travel all over the cosmos, maybe to Black Powder, Black Magic, or Nowhere City, or America, or what have you. And um, that's pretty neat. So you could really use it as a springboard to go anywhere with your regular DCC characters. And because it almost... The starting assumption is almost... Like, you know, hunter-gatherers have been kidnapped and you've got to rescue them. It's, it could even probably be a pretty good MCC-type adventure, pretty easy to reskin. Um, I it also has this dovetailing with, um, with Stephen Newton's Children of the Fallen Sun, which is MCC. I, I think yeah. you could work the two of these in together really well. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, you could, and as I said before, you could also use it as a springboard to go to Terra AD and any uh, any MCC adventure from there. So, um, I, I just two other things to say: the the main artist, um, I think his name is or her name, I don't know uh, this person at all, but Wojak uh, J uh, M Wojak. I'll check my notes, but. Um, the the art, yeah, J M Wyak W O I A K is really arresting. There's some; it's both old school and intricate and detailed and juicy, and uh, it's really quite fun. So I, that's really the very eye catching stuff. Um, it also features a full patron write up of the Serpent Queen Takisaki 
by our friend and yours, Judge Daniel Joseph Bishop. So there you go. That's almost uh, worth the price of admission right there. So um, I don't know. Do you guys want to insert anything on that? Um, I would say that you can definitely tell it's an indie production. It's got a lot of flavor to it. And it just, it has that feel of something that's been building up for a few years as opposed to, you know, the run of, oh God, it almost came out of my mouth as run of the mill. And that's totally not what I meant. But, you know, you can tell that it's an independent effort um, versus something that would normally come from MCC or DCC publishers. The backgrounds and the borders and everything are done in the same style as the art. It's just above and beyond eye-catching. I really like how he put the location backgrounds in the appendix, though. So as Mm. the judge, you don't have to wade through that when you're prepping to run everything, you don't have to read 18 pages before you can get to play or start. <laughs> so True. That, to me, that's a big thing. No, it's, um, it's full of beautiful art and um, it is full of a lot of background content and it's, but it is very thoughtfully arranged. And uh, Scott is an editor, as some of you may know. So uh, I think he probably put a different perspective on, uh, you know, writing and producing his own adventure that other writers and artists and so on might not have because he's, you know, in the business of figuring out how to arrange stuff uh, the best that he can and stuff. So uh, maybe that's what you're seeing there. Um, I also got to say, it's got one of my favorite monsters in any DCC adventure, the the crazy ogre who has a certain mutation thing going on. It's it's pretty nuts. Um, anyway, just a lot of fun and probably enough, probably slightly too much said, but uh, Scott Swift's Secret of the World Harvesters. And I think it's about time to, I think I hear an egg timer going off, so we better go check out some email. I call upon the flame to suffer you. I will deliver the message for me. I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. All right, we're going to go over to our emails. And Jen, why don't you uh, reach in and get the first one? Oh, yay, me first. Greetings and salutations, Spellburners. I found episode 63 a really excellent discussion, and I know that it's been a while since you posted this content, but I wanted to say thank you. I didn't consider many of the topics related to inclusion. Oh, wow, this was written a while ago. Uh, Until I introduced my children to RPGs in the 1990s and 2000s and my wife to the title of Major Mother. It wasn't until I was trying to run games with my girls that I found the chainmail bikinis I relished in my own youth seemed inappropriate when my daughters were shopping for armor. You can teach an old dwarf new tricks, it seems. I heard the term ageist in the episode, and that's a big topic for me as well, that I think DCC does handle fairly well. The books from Goodman and third-party publishers use large type and generous white space that make the books much more colorful, I'm sorry, useful and comfortable for those of us in our bifocal phase. I like the fancy full-color books from other publishers, but they are sometimes hard to read quickly. 
I'm off to continue playing catch up. Please continue to do great work. And the next time I can get House Skoda to Gen Con, I will ensure that we get into a DCC or MCC tourney. Best wishes, Judge Jack. Hey, thanks, Jack. We edited a little bit for content, um, but uh, just for time's sake, but appreciate your um, missive. And I really uh, dig your your observation about the books having um, a lot of, you know, more white space, better contrast, maybe a little bit larger print. Uh, that's something that drives me nuts when I try to leave uh, the merchants of the coast or whatever they're called sometimes they <laughs> their some of their stuff gets really tiny to be an eye chart for me but uh, i don't know that's but uh well said uh, that's a cool observation and you might say the dark master probably knows his target market there um what do you think jeff I think that that's a great thing about starting a conversation around inclusivity is watching how much it expands to bring in other things as well, because absolutely it had not occurred to me that the white space and the larger print might be something that would be a real appeal to people as they're getting older. You know, I am very lucky. I have very good eyesight. I always have. Tiny, tiny print doesn't bother me. And actually, in my mind, it reads as efficient. So when I see small, efficient writing, I'm like, ooh, that's, that's a good use of space and cramming a lot in there. Um, but I fully get why that's not ideal for everyone. And I think having an opportunity to discuss things like this is only also going to continue to help our hobby grow. All right. Uh, that's, uh, thank you, Judge Jack. And uh, Jeff, do you want to uh, reach in and get the next one, please? Oh, sure. So this one here is from, wow, September 27th. We are really behind on this stuff. This is from Judge Vasili. And in September, I did not know Judge Vasili, but now I do. We met at GaryCon and Vasili, you are awesome. So I'm excited to see what questions or stories you have in store for us. He says, hey, Spellburners, I have a question. I am hoping you can share your thoughts and wisdom. I'm about to write and run a new DCC campaign. Uh, I'm sure this campaign is long finished at this point. But um, for my home group, and I'm considering making the PC options to be human-centric only, a man after my own heart, and also removing clerics. Vasily, you're my man. In other words, eliminating the cleric, dwarf, elf, and halfling as available player characters. My campaign would only allow warriors, thieves, and wizards. This is to give a simple, grittier, and less Tolkien-esque feel to the PCs. Even though the campaign takes place in a weird high fantasy setting populated by all sorts of races. The new DCC Linkmar sourcebook suggests eliminating all races, class, and clerics as PCs in the setting, and offers new mechanics for healing in the absence of clerics, and luck in the absence of halflings, which I would probably apply to my campaign. What are your thoughts on some potential challenges and pitfalls of going down this path in a long-term DCC campaign? Judge Vasili. The only thing I would quickly say about that is let your wizards have healing spells. Yeah. But other than that, uh, Julian, what do you think? <laughs> I would say um, go ahead and do it by all means. And Linkmar, you use as much Linkmar as you can and want. Uh, I would say, uh, having experimented with this stuff a little bit in the past, one important thing would be to really say up front to your players 
uh, that you how you're going to approach it and the kind of parameters you're going to put on your uh, campaign. Because I've been surprised when I've you know introduced new uh, campaigns at the table and say, okay, uh, here's the thing: I'm gonna do, we're gonna restrict this to wizards, thieves, and L, uh, warriors. And then people are like, oh, but I made a dwarf and I brought him. Can I play now? I want, really wanted to play a dwarf, and no, here he is. No, no, no. Well, I just rolled up this elf and blah. blah and you're like, uh, and then you don't want to like you know. Uh, totally drain all the energy from the room and get away from what people are doing. So the further up front uh, you can push those campaign setting uh, guidelines so that people know what to expect, I think uh, the better. I'm, How about you, I'm, Jen? I'm befuddled here because I've never had character or players roll up characters prior to a game. Okay. Um, I am not as experienced in the campaign as you are, though, clearly. Grognard. Oh yeah. For for the Lankmar campaign setting, um, Judge Vasily, it was great to meet you. Um, as you probably know, I was part of the campaign playtest for DCC Lankmar for just this sort of thing to see what kind of playability the rules have. And if you keep all of the rolling the body rules, you know the the death and dying from the DCC core book, in addition to the new DCC clerics or cleric less healing where it costs a point of luck every time you want to heal. Not only is it going to get super expensive because healing salves start at like 10 gold rilks and that's insanely high. Um, you're going to run into the problem of your wizards falling over. And we did lose uh, our main wizard throughout the campaign, we had to get a new wizard because the other one got laid up. I will say really quick, because I hear that timer, I, w- I will say really quick that there are uh, optional rules in the sidebars of the DCC Lankmar material that allow you to um, you either disregard that stamina loss if you're just reviving someone who went down to zero hit points, or you can even just have them out of play for a short time while a limb resets. <laughs> oh, geez, that timer's so annoying. I was done. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just raring to get to the next one from some guy named um, Judge Bob. So here we go. I feel I fear that we may be taken to task here. Greetings, revered Judges Jay. Listening to the new episode number 72, a big old mailbag speedball, I was rather astonished to hear all of you agree with the assertion that DCC has both over-sexualized covers and content. Now, I think most of us are in agreement that the cover of Dragora's Dungeon certainly fits that bill on the cover side. But hearing you simply agree that there is over-sexualized content and that, being a, and that being a reason that he cannot introduce the game to his family struck a really hollow note with me. As someone putting out a monthly zine, I've gotten my share of Goodman Games' feedback on what can and cannot be released with the DCC logo on it. I cannot think of a DCC adventure that has over-sexualized content, although some of the third-party products can be very disturbing, but in a way that I love, such as Black Sun Deathcrawl. Of course. (laughs) Did the Spellburner suddenly confuse DCC with Lamentations of the Flame Princess? 
not to slam the product, it just fits more, it more fits the bill of the claim than DCC? Or did you gloss over that point while speed reading the emails? I think the other points in the email about the inclusivity episode were spot on, but tell me that the judges day, that the judges, Jay, didn't just turn on DCC. Judge Bob. Okay, sorry, Bob, I was quite tongue-tied for your uh, letter, uh, but no fault to you. I only want to say that um, I feel like we did one episode on inclusivity, and I suppose we've responded to about 20 letters on it or 20 emails on it, (laughs) but... I feel like it feels like we're the show that did 20 episodes on inclusivity sometimes um, because we did one. Anyway, that's just the reaction we've garnered. But uh, anyway, enough said. Uh, What do you think, Jen? I'm going to jump in here. Uh, Yes, we probably glossed over while speed reading the emails. And I, I think it was a question of the person who had written in saying that the DCC content was over-sexualized and we just kind of went along with it because, well, everyone gets blinded when presented with Dragora's dungeon. Damn it. Uh, But I think we did accidentally go on record as saying, yeah, yeah, this reader's right, 100% with you. And um, let's set the record straight and say, no, we, we were trying to speed read our answers too. So, yeah. Mea culpa. Jeff? Yeah, I would agree. You know, I believe... At the, so at the time when Bob sent the email, I responded being like, I don't remember saying that. And of course, Bob being Bob sent back, you know, time signatures of when one person said what and how we responded to it. My, my only response is I think when we were reading the email, we must have been responding to the fact that, yes, there is... The, the DCC does have a history of over-sexualized imagery, you know, Dragora's, the cover of Dragora's Dungeon, the cover of Through the Dragon Wall, that horrible illustration in the core book where mm-hmm. there's like the, the woman with the big breasts and the guy's like, oh, she must have really high charisma. You know, gross, dumb stuff oh, like the, that. The comic. And- yeah, but like, I, but you're right, Bob. I can't think of a single example of actual content that's over-sexualized. DCC, if anything, is completely asexual. It feels like it's lacking in any any kind of a sexual dimension at all. So, yeah, that's my thought. Um, I, you know, all I can say is Dave Beatty's bringing the sexy to DCC for a long time. So, I, you know, I don't know how you guys could even say that. But No, no, the, the modules, dude, the modules. Oh, the adventures. Okay. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's, You're horrible. Uh, We probably, this is the best time to actually change the subject, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Let the combat begin! Why behold our hero? Mighty Deeds. All right, it's time to talk about our featured subject, the DCC RPG Annual. And this thing has, uh, it's, I think, become kind of an in-joke and now is an out-joke about uh, the title of annual because, of course, uh, DCC's been around for, what, six or seven years now? And um, it's hardly an annual event. But it is, I think, going to prove well worth the wait. Um, Jen, one thing we're going to do is a little bit is lean on you for a little inside baseball. I, I think these pieces have been in the works for quite a while here. Yes. 
Well, and also let's real quick give everybody context yeah. as to why we're leaning on Jen, because Jen is one of the main editors and proofreaders of the DCC Annual, and you've been involved with this for a while, right? Um, I can honestly say off and on from, oh, was it 2014? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, through this week. Okay, mm. so if 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 a child was born at the time that this was first put into your hands, that kid would be in kindergarten at this point. Um, that dude, that's harsh. Can can we not bring kids into this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I to be fair, I'm sure this project includes a lot of children from the many authors that are included, um, including Mr. Judge Julian. Uh, yeah. I do. So when you say just this week, I'm, I'm guessing that means you just cut my like three paragraphs out. Um, you know, something like that. Oh, thank God. No, I can't do anything quite that drastic once it's hit layout. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> no, just mopping my brow. Like, yeah. So Julian, where are your three paragraphs? Uh, my fairly small contribution, uh, the very fun contribution, as at least I had a great time with it, is in the mysterious manuscripts, monographs, and manuals section of the book. Um, so I, I hope, yes, I hope um, j- judges uh, asshat their players for a long time uh, with one or two of those tomes and uh and they're the and i don't know whatever i don't want to talk about my own stuff that much being from minnesota and all but i will say the uh my editor my publisher or editor or the dark master said uh you got to be slightly nicer than these are (laughs) so i actually had to make them less uh mean less mean less killer gm uh as it were um so that was the feedback which i did incorporate and I also have to admit that I'm involved in this project as well. I did all of the artwork. Oh, you, you unbelievably rock. And you, the way, <laughs> thank you. The thank way you. That, the way that you have uh, stuff, especially Russ Nicholson's stuff down is like... Yeah. Wow. And I've got my Kovaxian and Peter Mullen styles down. It looks just like their work. You would never know that it was all secretly Jeff Goad artwork. It's 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 like know. ghost drawing, right? Ghost <laughs> exactly. Drawing, but for ghost artists, it's, yeah. it's goad drawing. Yeah, Kovacs is so busy these days; he he can't actually keep up with the output that's required of him. That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, <laughs> we'll stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I will admit I I have nothing to do with the DCC annual other than that I was a Kickstarter, and I now have the April 2019 preview edition that we are looking at. So let's talk about the introduction, which is an interesting little bit. It's a, just a half page blurb, and then you know, obviously in the beginning. But there is some there's some cool stuff to mention here, which is uh, the Dark Master talks about the annual and what it is and what it is not. Uh, but one thing he mentions, and he really makes a point, obviously, this is you know, there are no changes to the rules here. There are just expansions and options and uh, hopefully not rules bloat, but rather just more patrons, more gods, some optional rules, some more magic weapons, ways to do, you know, ways to make magic items and so on and so forth. So um, this is not a, uh, yeah, I would say 
Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. I mean, and, and if it's a toolbox, it's a toolbox for content, not mechanics. More of a toy uh, box than a toolbox. Mm-hmm. So this isn't um, Dungeon Crawl Classics Unearthed Arcana? Um, well, you know, that we'll get there, but probably not. Maybe in one little place. The funny thing about it is, since it's really supplemental material, he goes so far as to organize it, and this cracked me up, into the same chapter headings as the core book, except since there are no new classes and zero-level characters and so on, he totally skips those chapters. So he starts with chapter five. Which confused the uh, heck out of me. (laughs) Yeah, it's very strange. But it kind of just syncs with his overall theme, which is, uh, you know, there's nothing new in terms of, you know, you. this is the exact same game, exact same core book, no new additions, but it's just expansions of what you've already got. So this, the stuff in Chapter 5 of the annual could go right in Chapter 5 of the core rulebook. Same thing with Chapter 6, Quest and Journey, same things with the judges' rules and so forth. Um, and I think that's totally, uh, would totally just slide right in there for the most part. And who knows, in future printings, he might, but we might want to avoid the 600-page book, too. Now, of course, uh, the the main thing about Unearned Arcana and, these, and this uh, product would be um, the, they have two similarities, one being, um, of course, Unearned Arcana had a, a large appendix of pole arms in the back, and this one has a whole section about magical mustaches at the very, at the end, and both uh, both somewhat um, whimsical, but um, but also both well done and fun. So um, maybe there's a little bit of that, and both um, very deadly. Yes, <laughs> if done correctly. If done correctly. <laughs> So the first section in chapter five, which is the first chapter in the book, is uh, clerics. And this is, to me, what I always most wanted the cleric section of the, of the core rulebook to me. It's deities. It's not just clerics. It, it, oh, you're right. Um, yes. So to be specific, yes, thank you, Jen. It's, you're exactly right. It is, um, what it is is expanded... Well, it's it's kind of both, but it, the what I love about it and what I've always wanted and has finally delivered here is it is very specialized clerical rules for specific deities, uh, just as you say. So it has the background, all the flavor of the deities, and then it gives you special traits for how that deities lay on hands would work, uh, divine favors, like which are special clerical powers, uh, custom uh, deity-specific disapproval tables, and you even get canticles and um, psalms and some other stuff. Uh, which is just cool as hell. So suddenly you've got this great, I mean, people are going to use this a lot, I think, right? Because it just puts so much flavor and customization in the cleric class. Well, and I I think it's a great template for anybody else who's planning on writing up more deities. I think any new deities that are given to us should be done in this fashion. Oh, you, you nailed it, right? Like, just like the, we all know what the full patron write-up is, right? It's exactly what you see for Sezrakhan in the core book. It's exactly what you see for, you know who I'm saying. It's exactly what you see for him. 
or Ozzy Dahaka or whatever. And now you know what a full deity write-up is. It's exactly what you see for Cadix Tat and Justicia and uh, so on and so forth. So yes, you're exactly right. This is, I, I have no doubt, if you're really doing a full write-up, this will be pretty much the template. I love it. I think it's gorgeous. I think it's really cool. I, I, I agree with the premise that in the Dungeon Crawl Classics core book, the clerics were not really given the same kind of attention as the wizards. I do remember that being something mm-hmm. that the original lineup of Spellburn talked about when they did the cleric episode. And I, I, I agree with that. And I feel like the DCC annual, if you're, if you're somebody who's into using clerics, this is really where the clerics get their meat and get their get their due attention. Now, personally, we all know that I'm not, for my own personal style of gaming, so it, uh, clerics don't really work for me. But one thing that I would say, if you are somebody who's in my style of gaming, but you want a different kind of wizard, I actually think it would be kind of interesting and fun to have a wizard, thief, and warrior only campaign but where the wizards quote-unquote wizards were actually used this form of cleric um as, as, as a patron a, yeah as a patron and it, this is this is the the way that their magic is handled because it's, it's interesting and it's cool i like it i think it, I, I think it could fit the bill uh, because anybody can have a patron not just wizards and i i think you could do the same thing with that you could have you know, Tarendril the Thief having Pelagia as a patron as opposed to a deity. Like, and I haven't played... Oh, of, sorry. Well, instead of invoke patron, you have the canticles and the psalms mm-hmm. and maybe different divine favors instead of invoke patron. And one thing that occurs to me is I haven't played in Troy Tucker's Egyptian world, but I think it would be really cool as if you were doing a DCC style game in kind of an Egyptian mythology with an Egyptian mythology take on it or a Greek mythology take on it or a Norse mythology take on it. If you wanted to have this be your magic system, then it makes a lot of sense because it involves the direct intervention of the gods Um and it works yeah, really Troy's nicely with that. Love that we just gave him more to write. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think this could work really nicely with what Troy's with what I think Troy is doing. I haven't actually read or played any of it yet. Also, I got to say, I'm really excited about these disapproval tables because, as a judge, having that one disapproval table to roll on starts to get really boring, and it and it lacks the kind of flavor. You know, when one, when we have a cleric of Bugba Bills and a cleric of Justicia, and they're getting the, the same kind of like ho hum results, it, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's lacking that like gorgeous flavor that DCC usually gives us with their insane tables. It makes me want to use the tournament disapproval tables. <laughs> mm. I mean, when you're stuck to just that one list, at yeah. least give me something that has some consequence to it. But I'm going to make a statement that I would love for you guys to agree or disagree on, which is that this is bloating the cleric class a little bit because it is giving them additional powers. Because now that we've got the canticles of the gods, these are specific powers that are in addition to what is already in the core book. Do you agree or disagree that this is bloating the cleric class a bit? 
Um, I, I mean, of course, it's all optional and, uh, you know, it's presented as optional rules. So, uh, you know, whether you call it bloat, that's the, the judge must be wise in what he's going to allow in and not. I can, I can see probably taking the divine favors and the disapproval tables, but maybe be very sparing with the canticles and psalms. You might bestow them only as powers when clerics have done something very good. You know, oh, you get to, you know, cast this canticle once in the next month because you brought me the the teeth of Davilnar or whatever, you know. Okay. How, um, is, how is that different from a patron spell, though? You don't automatically get any patron spells? Uh, well, these are rather patronish. I mean, I, I think that's the, a similar model, which which I think is good. And and I think pa- at, or or psalms at first, third, and fifth levels. Yeah, so indeed. If you think that that third one is really high powered. Yeah, um, it's going to take a while for your cleric to get up to fifth level anyway. I don't disagree with you, Jen. But to be devil's advocate, I I will say that in the core book. Patron spells still have a mechanism for how wizards get them. If they cast invoke, not if they cast, um, it's not summon patron. patron. What patron bond? Thank you. If they cast patron bond at a high enough level, they automatically get these patron spells. But nowhere in the core book does it talk about how, as you go up in the levels, you get additional clerical powers. So this is in addition to what's in the core book. I don't think it's unlike the patron spells, but. I appreciate that a cleric can do more than lay on hands yeah, and cast a small number of spells. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. You know, I I actually, Jeff, I got to be honest. uh, I have seen that possibility too. And I don't really know how I'm going to feel about it till I, you know, play test it. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to say. And I think it is going to depend a lot on how you implement it. There's not a lot of, you should only do the give this in this case, and a lot of super uh, prescriptive uh, instructions on how to implement this. So, you know, it's like DC, like DCC mostly, it is uh, somewhat geared towards experienced uh, GMs, I would say. I would agree. And I feel like I've heard a lot of people say that clerics in DCC are not as. Um, powerful or as fun to play as other classes. But I also feel like that that really depends, again, on what you're just saying, Julian, on who the judge is. Because I know that at my table, I'm very liberal with what I will let my clerics get away with when they're casting Divine Aid. Because even just looking at the core book, the DCs in the examples are so low on Divine Aid. Like, it's a DC 5 to get this one really awesome thing to happen and a DC 10 to get something else really awesome to happen. So if you ask for some insane miracle of your God when you cast Divine Aid, I'm not going to set the DC in my mind anywhere near the level as I would set it for a wizard spell or a cleric spell. The Divine Aid DC is going to be way lower at my table. So my clerics can get away with a lot more than I think some judges would let their clerics get away with. They're automatically incurring that 10 points of disability to or mm-hmm. <laughs> disapproval. Hello. Uh, yeah. The word and it just came out wrong. Uh, probably because I have a, a disabled cat vying for my attention and who has very strong opinions on this subject, apparently, if you have heard in the background. 
<laughs> and I believe I've stated I, this on Spellburn before too, but also one one gamist of, of approach to the cleric class in DCC though is yes, you gain 10 disapproval, but it resets the next day. So I'm like, if I lived in the world of DCC and I was a cleric, I would ask a great miracle of my God every night before bed. Yeah. <laughs> I would change the world every night to my liking and wake up the next morning with refreshed with my God loving me all over again. And as a judge, I would play that uh, deity a little bit more like a patron. And all right, dude, I'm doing all this stuff for you. It's time for you to pay up. Come on. Oh, no. No, I'd say if you want to do miracles all the time, I'm going to put you in that special planet where my followers are persecuted and completely murdered with impunity so that you have a really good reason to do that every day <laughs> as you try to survive and lead the rebellion in hell against your persecutors. And that it will be your reward. Thank you for drawing on my power. <laughs> And and you know what? Maybe your friends will come too as an added bonus that they'll really appreciate you even more for. <laughs> That's oh, great. Hey, this is one heck of a magic section and <laughs> chapter. Yes. So, so um, I got to say two other things. First of all, Stefan Pogue has done some terrific like half-page pieces and they strike me as really different than some of his other art in terms of like their larger figures, um, obviously, they're sort of oriented towards the the clerics of the gods in a different way, but and they're not all of they're not all his, but they're just like a little different style, and I love it. They're just really iconic looking to me. Um, it's just like, for instance, really different than the smaller pieces he does in the core book, for instance, which are you know super evocative, but a different feel and different purpose and stuff like that. Um, so I really like that here, and then so to. Go back to Unner Darkana. There is the second cleric here is, uh, what's his name? Dainthar. And Dainthar is the god of dwarves and the mountains, the mountain lord. And uh, so, you know, he's pretty much how you would expect. Okay, I'm not, we're, we're not going to go into a lot of stuff, but as, as you're reading it, you're going, wait a minute. Dwarves can't be clerics, so how should I have a cleric of the mountains and the dwarves? Uh, well, it's buried back in this little sidebar section on page 14, but in fact, in the DCC annual, maybe this is the only significant under Darkana like rules creep. And again, it's, it's completely optional. So it says the judge may rule the dwarven priest of Danthar uh, or the dwarves can become dwarves, uh, is, is what he says. The so, dwarves can become dwarves. Um, if the judge desires, lawful dwarves may choose to become clerics of Dainthar. That's what it says upon reaching first level. So, uh, again, of course, it's all, it's up to the campaign and the judge. Um, so is that a cleric gives, with all of the dwarf powers? Uh, the, he's allowed to have the dwarf characteristics of a zero level character, which I looked up and is, Infravision only. So yes, no, okay. no, no gold smelling. No gold smelling. No, uh, none of that stuff. Dwarf, dwarf. Oh, okay. Yes, because he's too busy serving as God. 
Um, but, you know, you quickly see, just as Jen was saying, you have the template for a full cleric write-up, you now see that you could easily do a similar thing with an elf, right? Or a halfling or what have you. So this becomes kind of the little, the little template that shows us the way. And, uh, of course, there's been, you know, races, race class combos in Crawl Magazine or, and, and all sorts of other places. So it's hardly the first time that's been done. But, uh, you know, it always has a little more imprimatur of, uh, approval when it's, uh, in an official Goodman product, I suppose. Use your vocabulary. <laughs> Well, I have been sojourning in a distant land with a decaying sun, so it's been... <laughs> that is uh, true. Anyway. Yes. Now, so, if somebody um, who didn't know better, didn't know this stuff that well, really wanted to play a Dwarven Cleric in your campaign, would you use the Crawl Magazine Dwarven Cleric, the Gygax Magazine Dwarven Cleric, or the DCC <laughs> Annual Dwarven Cleric? Well... I would let the player pick. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, probably if it's just one. Yeah. Actually, I, I would push forth, um, the one from Gygax magazine because that one was done by Judge Jeffrey. That's true. That's a Ted Lockean dwarven cleric. Absolutely. Very nice. Judge Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, I still need to meet him. All right. He's the only one I haven't met. Jeez. Yeah, we're going to have like um, an alumni lunch or something. He, he stopped going to things right around the same time I started going to things. But he's in Columbus. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Your your paths may yet cross. Yeah. Cool. Well, going to get through this whole book on this episode. Yeah, right. This might have to be a two-parter. Yes, we are? Yes. But there's so Are much good stuff. Maybe we should make this a two-part episode. Hmm. I like I like the idea of us like really spending time with the second half of this book too. There's so much good stuff in here. Um Yeah, you know, I think that's a good idea. This is we got a lot of stuff here and uh we've got some cool uh magic items to generate and play with maybe some monster stuff to do so i think uh, we could absolutely spend another episode on the annual and um, julian is taking his true form the swarm has taken him away uh, <laughs> it's always at the same point too okay yeah all right swarm for us swarm Swarm Julian. It doesn't, doesn't do what I'm on mute, does it? Yeah, I don't know what you're saying. Um, all right, so we're going to move on. Uh, Julian has given us our uh, his his blessing to uh, <laughs> kept this into two parts. So, oh, my Lord. yes, yes. So, Jen, what is the last part that we're going to be discussing for this episode? Um, we're going to be moving over to chapter six, which is quests and journeys. And that's one that readers of the original tome may realize or remember that there's really only like four or five pages of text on it. So this is some more information that would expand that chapter. Um, it starts with downtime events, interesting occurrences that may happen while you're in between adventures, which... I don't know. To me, it, it almost feels like the early version of the carousing table from DCC Lankmar. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's a little bit more uh, fantasy specific, so it, it's not human centric, is sure. what I should say. Uh, but it's a pretty extensive list of just little things where 
if you don't want to call a game early, but they wrapped up uh, with an adventure, you know, two hours before your end time, rather than kicking them out of your table, you could run something like this and it would be pretty short and concise and still entertaining for everybody. Mm-hmm. One thing that I also really like about this chapter is both in the core book and in the DCC annual, the full page Doug Kovacs art leading up to this yes. chapter is so cool. And both of them are just super evocative. And I look at these and I'm just like, I want to adventure in that world. And like, if you're short on ideas, then just stare at one of those two pictures. And like, if you can't come up with an adventure just from staring at that for 30 seconds, then I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Well, I mean, the, the same could be said for almost all of the chapter pages in the core book. I mean, the, the one leading up to the judges chapter is intense. Yeah, I, the, the one, the one um, after the judges rules uh, in the annual, which I think is page, uh, see what it is here, flip, 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 flip. 49, I guess. One, uh, 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 oh, geez, the page numbers are kind of kind of a mess but 49 or 50 and it has a whole different kind of uh, vibe than most of his stuff it is rel- it's recognizably Kavaxian, but it's um just with that figure in the foreground and the big giant weird demon thing behind and uh it almost feels uh, like if Kovacs was doing art for um for world of darkness in the 90s oh, God, yeah well, I made me think of Carrie, like a 70s movie poster or something. Um, and to me, it kind of gives off the vibe of another one of his Doors series. Mm. Just like yeah. the I mean, rule book is one of the Doors. There is just, there's a ton of full page Doug isms in here. Um, and then there's Russ Nicholson. There's, I mean, the art is unbelievable, but maybe my favorite piece is the McDevitt thing uh, by the weapons chapter. Um, it is, let's find it here. Yeah. The the one with the, 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 where he's fighting, it's almost like a paladin in hell type thing. It reminded me of that. Was that the one on 117? Oh, that, no, the sword one with the sword demon is one of the most ridiculous um, everybody has a sword and there's a demon and it has a sword and the rock is textured like swords and the clothes the guys are wearing uh, have folds like swords. It's one of the most, it, it's a picture you could stare at forever and see all the swords that he's somehow crammed into a one page. That is a stunning piece, uh, that 117, and all very arresting as well. Um Sorry, I was just I'm looking for it's around it's the one I was the other one I was mentioning is page 129 and it's got this guy with the crazy jeweled sword and kind of an unusual uh, not a straight medieval European knight get up but um it's to me it's stunning and there's so much texture in that it almost feels kind of like Errol Otis a little bit um slicing off the demon's hand and and the the lava with the bubbles and stuff and and the areas of cross hatching make me wonder if he did this as one of the uh the scratchings hmm, 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 hmm. yeah 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 anyway just crazy stuff 
Um, uh, the art is, yeah, the art is, uh, is, is just pretty magnificent. So the last thing we'll touch on, I think for this episode though, is, um, chapter six about campaigns has a cool, uh, little, location being a campaign i wouldn't call it a setting because it's not so detailed it's only a few pages long but basically a, a set of riffs on uh, the lost continent of mu which is um a very traditional appendix n uh type of setting it was uh actually propagated in the 19th century by uh various frenchmen and others and then uh picked up by Lovecraft and um, was used and bandied about by a lot of different appendix and authors. Yeah, Lynn Carter but, wrote in Moo and so did Frederick Brown and Andre Norton. Yeah, indeed. So it's, it's a very uh, time honored uh, type of appendix and inspiration, which is exactly why it, uh, it feels right at home here, of course. So there's a nice um, little section of that with, uh, you know, basic description of how it could fit into your setting, the challenges of getting there, um, right up of the places of interest, um, some of the features uh, such as ley lines, and there's a little bit of mechanical stuff here. It's a short little section, but, you know, I think it's more of a springboard, excuse (laughs) excuse me, a springboard um, for you to, uh, you know, make a little campaign going uh, or... uh, excuse me, just make a little campaign for your friends and rather than a full-on write-up. And I actually really like that kind of stuff because it's only maybe five or six pages, but since I like to create stuff, uh, just some inspiration and a gentle push in the direction and some names and resonant stuff actually can be really fun to just then take and make your own and expand it from there. I agree Um, completely. Do we know who's responsible for writing this? Um, I believe that one was Mr. Curtis. Mr. Curtis. And it it strikes me as a little odd because it's something that I would have expected to see a full adventure module for. And to put it into what they're calling a capsule campaign, I, I think it's both intriguing and a little bit on the... conflicting side because I want a full campaign for it. So I, or at least a full adventure module for it, but it's a really good example of, you know, for like everybody writing for the gong farmers almanac and our third party people. If you just have these really great ideas and don't want to make a particular story about it and you just want to give people the world to explore you can do it in five pages. Well said. I think that's uh, that's a wrap on the capsule campaign of Moo. Um, and I, I would, I for one, would be pretty interested in, a, in an adventure in that setting. So maybe more to come. I'm sure if the masses demand it, uh, the Dark Master will be summoned. So uh, thanks for being with us here today on our uh, first of probably two DCC RPG annual episodes. Uh, we appreciate you being here with us and uh, thanks for sticking with us, even though we've been a little slow to uh, churn out episodes, but we'll be back. We'll do a part two. We've got some other good stuff in our quiver and uh, I think we're in good shape here. Please email us at the band at spellburn.com. Uh, also leave us some iTunes reviews. 
Uh, we would love to have your bumpers as well. And we want to do a special thanks to Judge Bob for uh, doing some editing for us recently and jumping in and helping out. We really appreciate that. And I know, Jen, uh, you also wanted to celebrate a certain thing uh, coming up soon. Dark Trails kickstarting in May. Ooh. Which, which probably means when you when it'll be going when you are hearing this, if you're a, a quick listener. So uh, go jump in there. Um, you might maybe catch the very end of the America Kickstarter if we were very fast, but I don't know if that would be possible. Um, if you do uh, jump in there, because that's going to that looks like a ton of fun, uh, really good stuff. And then last, I'm going to mention there's a new. Glitter Wizard album. Some of you may know that Glitter Wizard provides our uh, theme song. Uh, great band. And they have put out a new album called Opera Villains. It's on Spotify. You can also check them out in our show notes. I'll link the Bandcamp page. Uh, Opera Villains from Glitter Wizard. Check them out. Give them some love. And uh, with that, all I've got to say is game on. Keep on trucking. You've been listening to Spellbird, <laughs> copyright 2017. Our theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.bandcamp.com.